Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Believe Knicks podcast. We actually have game content to talk about today after the Knicks 117-96 win over the Pistons in their preseason opener. Matthew Miranda is joined by Stacey Patton. Stacey, let's just get right to it. Um, you saw the game, I'm guessing. I saw some of your comments on Twitter. What would you say stood out to you from the performance last night? Well, I got to start with um, with Jalen Brunson. Um, he was the big Knicks acquisition. And, um, you know, uh, he lived up to all expectations. Um, I said this on Twitter. I think he's the the most talented player we've had since Carmelo Anthony. Uh, I know the two main contenders would probably be Porzingis and Randall for a season, but um, you know, and and we can preface this by saying this was a Detroit Pistons team that has a lot of talent, but it's a lot of young talent. And in contrast, Jalen Brunson is only 26, but um, you know, I've seen him since he was a freshman at Villanova. He's been a 10-year vet since he was a freshman at Villanova. That's just his game. Um, in terms of the stop and start, uh, the touch around the rim, I, there was one play that stuck out to me in particular where he ran a pick and roll with Mitchell Robinson. I thought he had Mitchell Robinson for a lob, and I was like, oh, no, you should have hit him on that. But then he got it. He got a switch. Um, I, don't even, I don't even think they switched, but it didn't matter because he got within 10 feet of the rim. And when he gets within 10 feet of the rim, you know, that's basically that's the same level of efficiency that the average player has on layups pretty much yeah. for him. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he put a move on him, did a little turnaround floater. And uh, for most players, that's a bad shot. You know, if quickly did that, I'd be like, no, nah, you should have made the pass. If Rose did that, I would have said you would have made the you should have made the pass. Um, but with Brunson, he's just so adept at that shot. Um, and he did every, I mean, I think the big question with him, the thing separating him from all-star status, aside from the fact that he was kind of, um, you know, secondary playmaker next to Luca, who you know, the world revolved around in Dallas, because it, he played like an all-star when he didn't have Luca on the floor with him, you know, he's putting up like 22 and seven. Mm-hmm. But, um, aside from that, the other thing that stands in the way is just the volume of uh, three point shooting, particularly pull-ups, um, the Warriors exploited this a little bit. Uh, I think it's a little overblown, but the Warriors were going under screens, and he's capable of hitting that pull-up. He's a little bit hesitant. and You, you can see why, because he's so good inside the paint. But, um, you know, he, um, he he took one in transition the same way. The guy went out of the screen, early shot clock shot. And the guys who take early shot clock pull-up threes, right, in transition especially, are either very confident shooters or Russell Westbrook, um, who is confident. <laughs> who is a confident uh, shooter, I should say. He is a confident player. I wouldn't call him a shooter exactly. <laughs> um, but um, but I, assuming Brunson isn't Russell Westbrook, and you know the small sample, you know against Utah, he was willing to go to the pull up, and it worked really well. Um, he, he's very comfortable shooting pull ups from two. If that's part of his game on a consistent basis, um, I, I I don't think it's crazy to suggest he can be an all-star. You know, Fred Van Fleet was an all-star last year, and I think Brunson has a much higher offensive ceiling than him. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so Brunson was the biggest takeaway for me. I'll say the other thing was the Knicks did seem to be trying to play faster. Um, last year, the Knicks, people forget, we did start 4-1 and one last year. The one was a very ugly loss against Orlando where they blew a big lead. Yep. Uh, sadly, it was a bit of a harbinger for things to come. Well, that right but, after um, they had blown Orlando out by like 30 in Orlando. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then this, the next game seemed to be the same thing, and it, it didn't end up being that. And uh, aside from, you know, besides the, the typical Terrence Ross going off stuff that we saw. Once um, a year. Always seems, <laughs> once a year he goes off against the Knicks. Um, yep. You know, it, it did seem like after that game, and, and there were legitimate reasons too. Mitchell Robinson was out of shape at that point of this season. Um, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier were not um, a great defensive backcourt. Uh, Tibbs decided to slow a lot of things down. So I think the vision they had for the team got a little bit, and I'm, this is not a blame Tibbs thing. It's just they were unable to implement that. But you could see, I think, you know, even when it is Brunson, Barrett, and Randall, who I think a lot of people think of as kind of a slow it down, grind it out type of trio. I don't, I think the Knicks do envision them, maybe even Tibbs envisions them being able to push the pace, um, play fast. And, um, and I thought that was a big takeaway too. I, I have a lot of other ones, but definitely want to pass it over to you, Matt. What uh, what stuck out to you? Well, you mentioned um, shooters who will take a three in transition early in the shot clock, which just reminded me of the first player that I ever saw do that where it wasn't a bad shot, which is Drazen Petrovic. He was the first player I ever saw that would cut out on a break and pop for a three. And like, A, he was going to make it. And B, it wasn't a crime. If anyone else almost at that time had done that, would have been a problem. So shout out to Razan Petrovic for those who haven't seen him. Google him. Check him out. He was incredible. Um, I was struck by different aspects of the two points that you raised. Um, Brudson was like revelatory to watch. There was a sequence, I think it was near the end of the first half, where he was, um, he was out by the three-point line. I think he had Isaiah Stewart guarding him. And he just went past him and then finished on the other side of the basket and finished in a way, it was Derek Rose-like, he finished in a way that he, his body contorted in a way where there was there was no way for the defense to contest. It was an odd-looking layup for a Nick point card, but Brunson knew what he was doing. And I was just struck on that play, the ease with which he blew by his his defender and the ability to to finish the way that he did, where you knew it was a high degree of difficulty attempt, but you knew he knew what he was doing and he made it. I was very struck by, there was a sequence in the second half where um, Randall, I think found him in the corner. It was either Randall or Hartenstein. I think it was Randall and just having a shooter. He's not, you know, he's not Steph Curry or, or someone of that ilk, but having that guy in the corner instead of Alfred Payton or, struggling Kemba Walker or any of the guys that it was and seeing that Brunson and Barrett and Randall are all people who can get a defensive rebound and go with it like right away. I was struck by what looked like real pace and intent that the Knicks played with, particularly in the second half, the bench. I was really impressed by that. The ball was moving all around. It wasn't sticking. Um, it was moving with intent. It was moving with intelligence. Um, everybody was sharing. I was struck by by that. They looked faster, even in a half court. They just looked faster because 
the ball was was moving around. And I don't know if that'll stick because I can't remember you or someone else retweeted that Thibodeau said basically the exact same thing last year that he said this year. Like every year, Nick coaches talk about wanting to play with pace, and they really never do. So we'll see if it sticks. Maybe having a point guard who can control that will help more. But I was struck, like you were, the main things were, wow, holy crap, Brunson is really fun to watch. And it seemed like the Knicks, not to take away from their defense, which we'll talk about more and which fueled a lot of their offense, but it was nice to see an offense that looked like, it was nice for me to see a team that looked like there had been thinking on both sides of the floor about how to do things. I always remember Jeff Hornacek at the end of one preseason, somebody asked him about the defense. I think it was the defense. And he, he said that like they really hadn't gotten to that yet. And it was just a major red flag over that whole. And I got yeah, the sense that half the floor, right? <laughs> yeah. So I got the feeling that Thibodeau and the coaching staff came in wanting to try some, some things on both ends and the way their perimeter defense was so many deflections, so many steals, so much ball pressure, I think a lot because McBride got to play. Um, but, but I, you know, I mean, like you said, it's the Pistons. It's a preseason. I don't really care about the result, although it's always more fun to sit through a 20-point win. But as impressed as I could have been, I was for one game. Yeah, and I mean, I think individually um, there were a lot of performances to be impressed by. Um, I thought... Um, I think Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson was kind of what you'd expect for Mitchell Robinson at this point. Um, he had a nice steal and grab-and-go layup. Um, he had a nice catch, actually. His hands have been a little bit suspect at times, but there was one play, I think it was RJ, who threw um, maybe, I don't want to say an ill-advised lob pass, but it was um, he threw it. I think Mitchell Robinson was in the middle of two shorter players. Um, like much shorter, you know, everyone's shorter than Mitchell Robinson. So this is where he had, to, he had the opportunity to go up and, and moss some guys, and um, and he caught it, and he drew a foul. One of them was Cade, so not that much shorter. So that was pretty impressive. Fournier, I thought, was basically on offense what you'd expect of him. He had a nice little, he had a nice catch and pump fake, take two dribbles, and then throw an alley oop to Mitch. Uh, which is, you know, as much as I am, I am definitely a guy who thinks that um, Quentin Grimes should start. But um, you know, those are the things that Fournier can do that Grimes can't, right? And I will say this, um, you know, uh, I think his defense was better. Um, Ariel Pacheco, uh, if you don't follow, you should definitely follow him on Twitter does great threads every morning uh, after Knicks games, uh, including apparently preseason. Uh, you know, that's how you know the Knicks are really back. Um, but he, Ariel's terrific. Um, but he had, a, he had a thread and somebody asked him, you know, like, what about Fournier's defense? And he had a couple of good clips. And he's like, I thought he played well. And he showed some good rotations. Fournier looked a little bit quicker. Um, Ariel has hypothesized that Fournier was maybe hurt last year. Um, because I don't think he's ever been a really good defender, but um, you know he looked very slow last year, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's encouraging on his side. Um, there's a few other guys I want to talk about. Um, I'm going to leave Julius Randle for later because I think that's still something I'm trying to figure out what to do. So I'm going to talk about Cam Reddish, who was the first sub off the bench. Mm-hmm. And I thought he looked good. Um, and he's been a topic of hot debate, you know, certainly in the offseason, but even last year after the Knicks made the trade. 
came in, hit a three, um, was active on defense. Um, and then the real issue with this game came up and, and he got hurt and it looked like he wanted to stay in, you know, but he tweaked his ankle. I think the Knicks wanted to play it safe, but, um, you know, what were your thoughts on Cam Reddish yesterday? There was a sequence when Reddish and Barrett got out on a break. Um, Reddish ended up uh, finding RJ right at the very, very end of it for a simple layup. And it was so tremendously exciting just to imagine like that possibility. And I feel like the signs just seem to always keep pointing to like the Knicks cannot have Cam Reddish because he's playing well last year. He has that terrible shoulder injury he finally gets a shot this year probably would have gone back out there if he could have knowing that like the way Thibodeau treats him this might be the end I've I was very excited by what Cam Reddish showed me as a possibility whether it happens with him or with a different kind of player it, it struck me as as an exciting blueprint for something the Knicks could be in a couple of years um, if they had better talent around, I would say, their wings. Um, I was glad he got to play. I hope we see him again. I don't know if we will. Yeah. Um, I th- It shows, and especially with RJ, it shows that the Knicks can... You want to be able to play different ways, right? The Knicks are not at the yeah. point where they're thinking about taking on the Celtics or the Warriors yet, but, um, you know, you want to be... That, that have hurt them in the Atlanta series, right? Where, um, you know, Randall was their go-to guy, um, the Hawks found a way to take that away and the Knicks didn't really have any responses. And yep. you know, Trey Young was able to kind of penetrate their defense in a way that a lot of other teams hadn't. Um, and they didn't really have, you know, and, and you, you see these teams, you know, whether it's Steve Kerr or whether it's, and, and that's, this is not a Tibbs knock. It, it, it is a functional roster, but you want to find those ways to like, you know, maybe Cam isn't Cam and, RJ together, maybe that is too big, or that's not the lineup we want to go to most games. But having that in your back pocket, or being able to go with RJ and Grimes, right? Or being able to go with quickly and Grimes at that, or quickly and RJ, or quickly and Grimes. If you, having all those combination combinations, including one where you have two six seven six eight guys, obviously played together. Um, so you hope that, uh, especially if Grimes is out for some extended period of time. Cam can get back, but uh, I really liked what he gave the Knicks, and he does have he has a higher upside than than most of the other guys. Um, I will talk about. um, I'll say I thought Derrick Rose looked good, pretty much what you'd expect of him. Looked like they limited his minutes because you know age and all of that. Um, I thought I was really impressed with Emmanuel quickly. His uh, he was one for four. I didn't really hate any of the shots he took. Yeah, being a couple that were contested, but those were late shot clock shots. Um, there was a stretch, I think, in the third. I think he's trying to get his bearings with Isaiah Hartenstein, and I don't think it's on either of them. I just think there were times when Hartenstein would flip a screen, and I don't think quickly is used to playing with players with great hands or who can do something with that. So like he wouldn't pass it. But if you've watched Hartenstein play, like that's a pass you should make because he has the floater. He has really a great game in the paint. IQ has um, Nolan's Noel like post traumatic stress still. He hasn't quite gotten probably that right. Or or even Taj, right? Taj Taj yeah. didn't slip very often, um, mm-hmm. which is a credit to Taj, right? He was he set good screens, but even if he did, you know, it, it's not the weapon that Hartenstein is. So I think quickly still but I mean the flip side of that is yeah, he shot one for four from three, well he's four for seven from two, and all of those were in the paint 
Mm-hmm. I don't think he took a floater. He didn't take a real floater yesterday. Mm-hmm. And um, he had a lefty finish where he just got decked, finished through contact. Um, he, I think he had multiple and ones at the rim. Uh, I mean, you could see like his upper body. He looks yeah. jacked now. Uh, compare that to, to year one, right? Um, he's much bigger and stronger. Um, and, you know, I, th- I think that the way he was running the offense was similar to last year. Stretches where he would over dribble, but nothing too alarming. Um, but on offense, like, the, like if that's part of his game, getting to the rim and, and bullying dudes, he's not going to shoot one for four very often from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then on the other end, it was impressive to see him. Um, he had three steals, and a lot of it was was taking some more risks in passing lanes, right? Now, you don't ever want someone to gamble too much. And he's had such a great impact on defense, partly because he is very disciplined in his rotations. But you saw him make a few um, a few jumps into passing lanes, and he's got like a 6'8 wingspan. So that's that's a pretty effective uh, weapon there. Um, and he also has helped... As, him and Deuce together was really fun to watch yep. um, because... You know, he he had a sense of Deuce McBride is going to force a ball hand or a certain place. And when that guy only has one hand to use, quickly was coming over and saying, you can't use that hand either. I'm not even going to foul you, but I'm going to take that hand away. And now you transfer back to the other one. Miles is getting the ball, right? Yeah. Or you got you to pull up, pick up your dribble, right? Um, so I, I think he, I was very fine. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think Brunson was a great signing. I, I, I think, like I said, he's the best player the Knicks have had in a while. Um, but quickly was impressive. Deuce was very impressive. I mean, that's their 11th, 12th guy. Yeah. Um, he had six steals. Um, you know, you can hit open threes. Um, had a couple of nice drives to the basket. Uh, I um, I was very impressed with those guys, too. McBride remains one of the only Knicks I can remember watching that is more fun to see on the defensive end than the offensive end. He's so fun to watch. Frank. Um, yeah, Frank, too. Uh, Anthony Mason was like that. He was much more fun offensively, but he was just so he was just such a cheat code on defense. Like he was so fun to watch. Yeah. Um I so you mentioned you know the ability to play in different ways, which yeah, they're not competing for a title, but is that's the next step, I think, for this organization is how do you get to a point where in the playoffs you're not a one trick pony? And along those lines, Hartenstein was very interesting to watch yesterday because his skill set is different than any center they've had in a while. Um, yep. I can't. I mean, imagine. the shooting was very impressive, right? I, I think that the shooting was on a low sample last year. I think it's like 40, 54 attempts, but he hit 47% yeah. of them. Yep. And, he looked good. Um, taking it. He looked good stroke. And I think that was a question, right? Like, okay, he shot a few, and a lot of them came in the second half of the season. Is that a real thing, right? Because I remember we, dra- we got Kyle we didn't draft Kyle Quinn. We signed Kyle Quinn, and there was some similar talk that this is a guy willing to shoot threes. I, I had compared the Hartenstein signing to Kyle Quinn. He's bigger than Kyle Quinn, so Kyle Quinn was a good rim protector. Hartenstein is elite, but especially on offense, you know, the passing, the ability to do stuff on offense, and maybe take the occasional three. I thought that would be like a Quinn, but it seems like he might actually have more than that. Yeah, his talent's intriguing. Thibodeau complimented. Um... Some reporter who compared Arnstein to Joakim Noah the year that Chicago ran their offense through him, and they're obviously not identical, but you could see there were possessions last night where Hartenstein, you know, had a, dec- a decision to make three on two, and there was one in the second half where he 
he ended the possession. He had the ball like right near the rim and so many bigs in that situation. Like I could see Noel trying to get that shot up. I could see, you know, Mitch maybe kicking it out because it wasn't like a dunk. And Hartenstein just was under control. He knew what was coming, found the guy open in the corner. That might have been Brunson, I'm not sure. Um, but it was very exciting to see, like, wow, you could play five out for once and not lose. I mean, he has the, he has the skill set on offense of a wing or a guard, right? Like, mm-hmm. you give him the ball, like most bigs, I'm just, I mean, you, you don't hire bigs for that, right? Most bigs, they get the ball in, like, a crowded situation. Like, oh, what am I doing, right? Um, and he's comfortable in that. And that's besides the shoot, and the shooting stroke looked great. Like if yep. he's taking two to four, if he's getting the even if he's shooting as often as Taj did, with his ability to stay on the floor longer, that's a real difference maker, right? I wonder if that gave them some insight last year. When when Taj started going deep, I wonder yeah. if that began to open some eyes. I was impressed by. I thought when Taj goes deep, it opened something else. But sorry, <laughs> this is this is the after dark version. So. <laughs> It's okay. Our listeners are all very mature. Um, I was impressed by some of Obi's face-up game. Um, not the jumper so much, but I think that will come and go with time. But there were a couple sequences where Toppin got the ball, kind of like free throw line extended out, and on one of them he found a cutter for a layup. And then in the second half, I think it was, uh, he got it and, and went by his guy. Maybe it was the first half. Went by his defender, went in riding for the dunk. Um, you, you still just see like the fact that he runs opens things up for him, opens things up for others. Um, there was a in the in the game afterwards, the Bulls played the Pelicans, and there was a, a three on one for Chicago, and Goran Dragic had the ball, and I was so pissed at him because he went in and he just like tried to lay up, and it's like Goran Dragic is forty, like. Throw an alley-oop to someone, but like maybe he didn't have that because they were behind him a little bit. But when you saw RJ get out with Toppin, and Toppin is just like you know immediately, like as soon as I realized that RJ had the ball and it was a two-on-one and Obi was on his left, I knew unless there's like a flagrant foul, this is an alley-oop. There's no way Toppin's not going to get there ahead of the defender, and there's no way he's not going to connect and threw it down. I, I you mentioned McBride. I'm the national broadcast. I watched it on TNT, and a lot of people seem to have the same vibe that a lot of Nick fans did last year and last night. Reinforced it to me. There's so much depth. Like they really do have a lot of depth. There's competition um, and nice options at all these different spots. I see McBride playing, and I'm thinking like McBride has to play. This guy has to play. 12 minutes a night, 15 minutes. He has to, but they can't play all these people. And it's very, it's very frustrating to me because so many of them have things to offer. And you just, Obi's a prime example. Like, Obi's jumper did not look good last night. I don't think it's because there's anything wrong with Obi. I think it's because it's hard to get in the rhythm when you're playing, even in a preseason game, he's getting fewer minutes than Randall, I think. Yeah, I um that's a rain on it. Like it was it's not a huge deal. It's one preseason game. It was a fun no, night. I was I was 
I was less impressed with Obi's game yesterday. I was hoping for more. Yeah. Uh, I thought some of his shots from three were settled. I mean, if a guy... We yeah. want Obi to take threes and hit them, but if a guy's closing out hard, yeah. he's got to drive. <laughs> like, yeah. He's too good around the rim to pass that up, and that he'll learn. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not just he'll learn. He knows that, um, I think. First, I'm sure he's been working on the three all off season. That is the biggest uh, improvement he wanted to make in his game. But um, I think there were just there were times he was a little bit passive. Um, you know, he got the ball a couple times in the post. He doesn't really have a great post game. He has a high center of gravity, and we've seen him just like will his way to the rim. And like his touch is so good that he doesn't have to be in great position. Yeah. I would have liked to see a little bit more of that. Um, but to your point, you know, there's there's things that he has that just nobody else has. Um, I thought he was great on defense. I, I'll say this about Randall too. I thought Randall's defense. If you're looking for hope that you know the guy is going to buy into kind of a smaller role uh, on defense, Randall had. I thought his rotations. I couldn't find a missed rotation last year. Um, there was one highlight that was circulating around where Jaden Ivy drove by Barrett, had a nice finish, but Randall came over and contested and. Maybe this is grasping at straws, but it was a really nice contest. And Jaden Ivy is, is a freak, so he did an up and under. Right, but right. Um, it was one where, as soon like Randall was early on that, not not even early, he was that it was perfectly timed. Right, he he immediately was reading the floor. Uh, that's what you want to see. So that was encouraging for Randall. But I thought Obi was really good on defense too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his shot selection could have used some work. I thought he like there's some magical chemistry. I think that's there with him and. Isaiah Hartenstein um, that hasn't been unlocked yet. So I'm interested to see what happens there because they're both great passers. They both move really well. I just don't think they've clicked exactly yet, which I mean, it's a few days of practice, so mm. nothing to be alarmed about, but, um, but overall, like it wasn't anything that blew me away from Obi. The one play that did blow me away or that it was like, this is the thing that nobody else can do quickly was looking from all game, by the way, but there was one where Obi had a guy on him next to hoop. Um, it was semi-transition and quickly picks up the ball, looks there, and I'm like, that's not open, right? This guy is all over Obi. They're right next to each other. Quickly throws it up. I'm like, that's a turnover. But he throws it up in the Moss zone, and Obi gets yeah. it. And not only can he catch that, he can get down, immediately go back up, and he has the combination of the second jump athleticism, the catching ability, yep. the length, and the touch, just finishing. That's a really hard play, and the Knicks can get that with him a lot. Like that's an easy bucket and people harp on the fact that he can't create his own shot. But if you can get that whenever you want, like that's not an easy thing to get. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like, I mean, the guys who get that are guys like Shaq and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he gets, and because he runs the floor so hard, he can often get that with a mismatch. Right. Because uh, teams are forced to scramble against them. So, um, you know, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, and quickly since last season has been, the best guard at looking for him ahead like that. There's a lot of times that um, other guards will have Obi ahead in that kind of a position or even in the half court. Um, and they, they don't find him quickly always seems to be willing to take chances with him. And they almost always pay off. He's either going to draw a foul or he's going to make a layup. Yeah. Did you see anything in the game that hard to say in that kind of a game, anything that, Raised an eyebrow, caused a concern, didn't answer a question that you had going in. Um, I mean, the, Randall's first. So let's talk about Randall. Um, right. 
I thought the second half was a reason why a lot of the people, and I think you're a little bit in this group, have defended him and said, you know, he deserves another shot. And, you know, when he's really clicked, he can be much more impactful than Obi. And the first half was evidence of why people are worried about him playing with Brunson. Um, so when he played with Brunson in the first half, he um, there were several possessions where he got the ball and, and he did ISO and it didn't always lead to great shots. He started one for five, I think. Um, and then when he would get the ball, I still think it's a little bit like a quarterback in football who's young and always looks for his tight end as a security blanket. I think Randall still uses Evan Fournier a little bit like that. He hasn't developed that chemistry with Brunson. Part of that is them being new teammates, but part of that is just like he's always looking for the wing shooter. And, you know, the year before that, that was Bullock, right? So, mm-hmm. but in the second half, I thought, um, I thought he was, you know, if he, if he's got Jaden Ivy on him, I have no problem with him posting up and ISOing. Like that's, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's when it's, it's just when that's the normal set. And I think part of that is on Tibbs because there's so many of their sets that have Randall getting the ball all the way out at the three point line posting up. It's like, you know, that's not a very, it's not putting the offense in an advantageous situation. But I saw enough to say, you know, he was willing to set screens. He's willing to roll. He was making pretty quick decisions. All of this needs to be more consistent. But you could see those flashes. And I, and I will say, I, I didn't think I saw a misrotation from him on defense. So I was pretty, I was um, not exactly concerned. I saw, The part of me that was concerned about the Brunson, RJ, Randall fit saw what I was fearing. And um, the part of me that could be optimistic about it also saw what I was hoping for. Um, but other than that, I'm trying to think. And um, no, nah, I mean, everyone had a pretty much a plus game. So, uh, yeah, the, the concern is Cam got hurt. So <coughs> that's just that was really the only negative. Yeah, it was an extremely relaxing, even for a preseason game. It was second quarter on just. Easy, easy following. And after following the Mets for the last like week or month, where every day is like light for death, like it was extremely calming to watch the Knicks just beat the shit out of the Pistons. A couple years ago, uh, yeah, two years ago, two years ago, the Knicks preseason they only played four games. They played Detroit twice and Cleveland twice, and they handled them both pretty good. And I remember coming out of that preseason thinking like that was Quickly's rookie year and Toppin's. Um, oh no, sorry, the year after that it was, wait was Quickly's rookie year? No, I can't remember. Quickly's rookie year was the year that they won, that they got to the playoffs right? Yeah Yeah, so um oh god where was I taking this thought? Ah, what was I just talking about? Oh god, I can't remember what I was just talking about Playoffs. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, I got it. So that that coming into that season, they were they were coming off the very disappointing um, Fisdale Mike Miller year. Nobody knew what was going to come from this team, and I remember being very encouraged in the preseason that Detroit and Cleveland, everyone knew was going to be bad, and at least in the preseason, to me, the Knicks looked like they were like clearly above those teams. They ended up being very far above those teams, but. You could see in the preseason. And what I'm getting to now is that the East is so stacked. Like, there's 
there's legit the, the Knicks can have a, a fair season and miss the playoffs because there are so many teams in the East who could have a good year and make it. Um, I love Detroit's young talent pace, but I felt watching the game last night like the Knicks are clearly superior to the Pistons. I think I already knew that, but Brunson especially, I think one game reaction, I think it raises their ceiling a bit more than I thought it would. I thought Brunson would definitely raise their floor and the thought of having him or Derrick Rose out there, you know, pretty much every game, every minute, one of them out there um, is exciting to me because I think that can make a big difference for them. Yeah. Um, I I would, uh, I don't know if I'm willing to raise the ceiling of this team. I think there's seven teams in the East that are clearly better than the Knicks. Um, so that's uh, Milwaukee, Boston, Philadelphia, Miami, um, Brooklyn, Atlanta, Cleveland. I think that is that six or seven. Oh, Toronto, Toronto. So that's seven. You said Philadelphia. Yeah, I said Philadelphia. Okay, okay. okay. Um, I think there's seven teams that are. I would put a, ahead of them. Um, right. And then I would put Atlanta as like another one that is very much probably ahead of them. Mm-hmm. But um, like I, I would pick the Knicks to finish ninth right now. I think they're a better team than Chicago. I think Alonzo Ball being out is a big problem for them. Yeah, agreed. They had a very uneven season, you know, but they had, they finished with the same net rating as the Knicks. They had some luck in close games. They also had some DeMar DeRozan in close games. But I think a big part of what held them together was Caruso and Lonzo. Actually, I loved, I hated on that team all summer because I hated they were more hyped on the Knicks. Yeah. But I loved what they experimented. They, uh, my, my thesis was you don't have a good rim protector. You have Vucevic. You have DeRozan and Levine. You can't make up with for that with just, you know, Caruso and Lonzo. You can't make up with that with other good perimeter defenders. And they proved me wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, they were basically like the Seattle Seahawks, right? Very handsy, very physical, but playing good fundamental defense, especially mm. those two guys are that good that they salvaged it and they were a really good team. But with Lonzo out, Caruso's been banged up. Um and even if they weren't, I think the Knicks were basically their equal. So especially with that being the case, we'll see if DeRozan can replicate what he did last year. Um, I think he has a better chance of replicating it than Julius Randall did. At the very least, I think he'll be a very good passer and like he can still score. But I don't know if he'll be quite that unstoppable as he was last year. So I'm going to take them over Chicago. Charlotte is a mess. So I think those are the two teams that climb over. I don't think anyone behind them got better enough to overtake them. Um, you know, You're not buying Bradley Beal and KP? I don't know if KP can stay healthy. And I think even with them last year, the Knicks were a better team. Yeah. Um, but it, but but even Washington is. How many teams in the East have like how many teams in the East have their best player being better than the Knicks? I think all seven of the ones I mentioned would be right. Uh, yeah, obviously absolutely. Milwaukee, Philadelphia yeah. has arguably two, <laughs> and Maxi yes. is coming. But I'm going to say two, and you know we'll see what kind of James Harden we get. There's an argument Jalen Brunson might be better than he's definitely better than the Jalen Harden that was there last year. I think Harden will be a lot better than that, but they haven't beat. So, moot point. Um, I would argue Bam and Jimmy Butler are both better than anyone on the Knicks. 
Boston might uh, have two. Boston might have so they they both these teams have two at the top. Yeah. Um, then you get to teams like Toronto. I think Siakam is better than anyone on the Knicks. Um, I think um, Cleveland has Mobley. Uh, look, Cleveland has a guy who would have been the best player on the Knicks if the Knicks had traded for him as well. Oh, that too. So Cleveland has a couple. Yeah, and then I, I mean, Brunson versus Darius Garland is a good argument, but he's their third best player. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so I mean, you look at those teams, that is kind of what holds the Knicks back. And that's why I'm also curious, how high can Jalen Brunson go? Um, and can RJ Barrett take a leap? And can Julius Randle become the best third option in the East? Because none of these teams have a ton of great third options besides Cleveland. Oh, no. Milwaukee does, obviously. But, yeah, Milwaukee, I think, is unfair because Middleton, you could argue, is probably would be the best player on the Knicks, too. But, um, you know, it, it's um, that's what holds them back. And that's part. that's another reason why being able to play different ways and be able to exploit your depth. The Knicks are a competitive and talented team, but it's not because they have great starters. Um, it's not even because they have a great bench. It's because they have... 11, 12, we talked about Deuce. We, they have 12 guys, 13 mm-hmm. guys, Jericho Sims, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that are all rotation-level players at minimum. Like, how do you kind of maximize that? And that's a challenge for Tibbs because that's not his MO, right? His MO is to play a 10-man rotation with the starters playing a ton of minutes. But that's not really the strength of this roster, or that's not how you get the most out of this roster, I don't think, right? So do I think if he plays Jalen Brunson 36 minutes, I can't complain about that. Um, but around the rest of the roster, there's there's ways to find edges and to play some unique lineups that um, that I hope we explore because that's how we can make up some of that top end talent gap. And you said it yourself. I mean, even the guys, the teams behind us, I think we're better teams. But yeah, like Beal would be the best player on the Knicks. There's an argument. I think Brunson is better than Lamelo Ball, but Lamelo Ball is pretty damn good too. You know, um, you know, and we'll see what happens with Orlando. They're very deep. And they have yeah. a guy in Hans Wagner who some people expect to take a leap. So they're not a they're not an easy out. Um, I don't think they're ready for the playoffs yet. But if they but that's the thing, right? They're another team with a lot of with probably too many guys, quote unquote, right? So you can either look at it as a problem or you can figure out a way to like get the most out of that. Um, you know, by experiment not not just experimenting more, but by being able to be kind of the Swiss Army knife team on a on a macro level. Trying to think if there's any other Knicks stuff that I want to talk about. I have a Dallas question for you that in, would relates to the Knicks. Um, anything else from the game that that caught your eye, or anything that you're looking that you'll be looking for now, Friday when they host the Pacers? Um, not more of the same. Uh, I'll be looking to see if they keep up the pace. I'll be yeah. looking to see if some of the new pairings, particularly Brunson and Randall and IQ and Hartenstein and Obi, that trio can build some more chemistry. Because I think those Brunson was terrific. Uh, I think he was good at finding shooters in the corner. His chemistry with his role men, I think he's still mm-hmm. I mean, it was nothing alarming. It wasn't bad feel. It's just, you know, you played with different guys, right? Um as far as the other thing I'll say on the game is I, I really am very impressed with, De- with Detroit's building. Um, mm. I think Sadiq Bey is a very underrated player still. 
Uh, I forgot. I, really I didn't like, even think about him. I was like, oh, yeah, they got Sadiq Bay too. They got Sadiq Bay, and a guy who was very impressive yesterday was Isaiah Livers. Um, probably Rochester zone. What? Rochester. Tales from Rochester, yep. Who is? Isaiah Stewart. No, no, no. Isaiah Stewart is. I was talking about Isaiah Livers, but um, <laughs> Isaiah Livers did go to Michigan, so everyone that's going to call me out on that. But it's another <laughs> six. Eight, but they've got these six eight guys who can bomb away from three and play two to four. And both Bay and Livers on defense, they remind me of Wilson Chandler a little bit. Mm. Because I remember, like, I remember asking myself, like, when Wilson Chandler was on the Knicks, like, is he a good defender? And on the one hand, I was like, I can't say, like, at any given position. Like, am I, if I put him on Paul Pierce, I'm like, that guy's going to lock up Paul Pierce, right? right. That right. guy's going to guard LeBron. No. But he can, he can hold up against those guys. And he can hold up against fours. He can guard at an adequate level at two, three, four, maybe even one. What is the value of that? It's tough to quantify, but it matters, I think, a lot. Um, and I think Isaiah Livers has that. Bay has that, too. And they can both shoot. Um, Ivy looked electrifying. Um, I think it shows that um, if there is a concern to have for this Knicks team is that, like, elite athletes are still going to give them a problem. Yeah. Um, and, um, and yeah, I mean, they, they have and, – and Cade was still Cade. You know, he had some big shots. Um, it's always so. Here's the last. I didn't even talk about RJ Barrett. Cade was like this too, but I'll talk about RJ Barrett. When I I actually was at the game yesterday, and I remember leaving the game being like, "Yeah, he, I feel like they didn't really get him the ball." And I looked up, and he had 21 points on like yeah. you know on pretty efficient shooting. That's a really good sign for RJ Barrett because I think the opposite happens more often, or happened more often last year, where he was asked to do a lot, and you saw him doing a lot but the points didn't really reflect it. Or if it did, it, it was on really bad shooting. The fact that if Archie Barrett can just be the kind of guy who quietly gets you 20 points, that's a really big development. Um, yeah. That's where he's always reminded me a bit. It's not a perfect comp at all, but he's always reminded me in some ways of Gordon Hayward. And Hayward's the kind of guy that at the end of a game, especially when he's on good teams, at the end of a game, like you'll notice that he has like 22 and eight and like four assists and like you never you didn't even really notice it because he just kind of finds his way in through the action um something i'm excited about next game and really as the as the season goes along by year two of randall and reggie bullock like they had developed a really great chemistry on screens and action like right around the three-point line and that was after bullock remember bullock missed a lot of his first year with the knicks um I wonder if this is the year maybe that Fournier and Randall, both veterans, both highly skilled at what they do. Fournier doesn't need a lot of room to get a shot off and be a threat. Randall is a, a big body out there setting screens. I'm very interested and hopeful that that pairing takes the same kind of leap that Randall and Bullock did in year two, because if that happens alongside the addition of Brunson and any organic growth from RJ, that could really go a long way to... to taking their starting lineup up a notch. So you're saying the, the pick and roll chemistry between who? Sorry. Randall and Fournier. Yeah, I just don't want to see that a ton. Um, yeah. I'll put that bluntly. Why I, is want, that? I, I saw Brunson be awesome. I want the ball in his hands. Um, mm. I think as good as the Randall-Fournier pairing has been at times, 
it often leaves the other three players in the court without um, without much to do. And it run, it works once in a possession, and then they go back to it, and then the the defense is ready, and they can't get out of it. Mm. Um, and um, so I think as a changeup, the run the Randall Fournier pick and uh, DHOs are good, uh, but it often ends with them those two in the corner. Randall doesn't move properly. I, I don't want to be too critical. It's a good change of pace, but the bulk of the offense should be running through Brunson. And yeah, RJ Barrett. And I think Randall showed me enough yesterday that he can find ways to be pretty proactive, productive off of it. Um, but that's the pick and roll pairing I'm more interested in is Brunson and Randall. Uh, mm. And off the bench, um, I think if Hartenstein's passive shooting is for real, um, I mean, imagine quickly running a, a Spain pick and roll with Obi and Hartenstein, right? And Hartenstein yeah. pops and Obi goes to the rim. Neither of those are defense are options the defense wants to give up. And oh, by the way, quickly can pull up. And oh, by the way, now quickly is a fucking Saquon Barkley type running back. He can run you over with the rim. Um, that once those three get on the same page, that's going to be destructive. And I think Randall and Brunson. I saw enough yesterday for me to be confident that I think that can work pretty well too. Especially when they don't just go into it thinking we're either going to have Brunson ISO or we're going to have Randall ISO especially when they look at it as a dynamic play and feel their way through it and see, you know, Randall feeling, when can I slip? When can I set the screen? Brunson feeling, is this a pull-up opportunity? Is this a drive opportunity? Is this a switch opportunity? Brunson seeing, oh, Randall's got to slip or they're switching. That feel, that could really be devastating. Um, What happens with Mitch on that? You know, we saw Thibodeau, I think, oh, this is another thing that was highlighted by a couple people. I think Frank Barrett, um, running a Strickland account and Dallas and Miko mentioned in particular, he was using Mitch as an off-ball screener more. And he talked about this, right? Thibodeau talked about, um, you know, we can go quote unquote five out. We can have Randall play the five position. I think a few people were like, wait, he just said we can never play Obi and Randall together because they're didn't play well together in their minutes, right? The numbers didn't support it. But I think what he really meant was you can use Mitch not as a roller, right? You can use Randall as a roll man and Mitch doing stuff off ball. And there were several times where Mitch was setting off ball screens and this kind of opened up the the Brunson-Randall two-man game. Mm. So that's what I'm really excited to see. Uh, and that's not necessarily a knock on Fournier, but I think the upside of Fournier-Randall two-man game is is much more limited than, than Brunson and Randall. How full was the arena? Probably 80%. Yeah, pretty loud. That's pretty good. And uh, Tracy Morgan was there, celebro. Yeah. Okay. He's, yeah, Tracy Morgan is legit. He's there a lot. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of... There are a couple of celebrities, but... Um, yeah, I think the biggest celeb I've seen there is probably Bill Clinton. I don't think I've ever seen Obama at a game, but... Uh, yeah. mm. I'm trying to think of... Um, i trying to think of the hardcores who come in. Only the hardcores come in the preseason. And the hardcores used to be a different crowd. Like... When I was like watching the Knicks growing up, like Woody Allen would be at preseason games. Um, Woody has thankfully taken a backseat in recent years to. Yeah, Woody and uh, Woody and being pre uh, pre anything is a little bit yes. problematic, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so totally random, unrelated question, but does tie into the Knicks a little bit. I am slowly working myself into a fantasy where the Knicks have a decent season, 
and shock the world because Dallas ends up collapsing and missing the playoffs and their pick goes one or two, I don't care, and one by Yama or Henderson or Knicks next year. Now, Dallas, if Luka gets hurt, that is not a great team. Not at all. They really, they really I didn't realize this till today when I heard someone say it. Dallas really only has like two people that can dribble. Luca and Dinwiddie, and like that's it. That's not a good team. If Luca, God forbid, uh, you don't think Frank can dribble? <laughs> I'm gonna move on from that. Um, <laughs> I I don't. I love Luca. I never want to see him get hurt. But if he got hurt, um, I feel like it would completely. It would be very interesting just to see like what kind of vibe the season had if the Knicks were competing in their own way and if Dallas I just want something to go wrong or do I do want something to go wrong in Dallas I don't want it to be Luka getting hurt because I, I still think feel that's like the only that I think is the only scenario in which I mean I think that if you if you're not rooting for Luka to get hurt it's basically that the West gets a lot better and it has but yeah I, mean, I think it is really good um there's a couple other teams that are New Orleans should be really good LA was an eight seed last year they're going to be you know assuming George and Kawhi stay healthy. There's a scenario in which even with Luca, they fall to like the seventh or eighth seed. Yeah, maybe yeah. They yeah. play in. Give me and some play in. Yeah, there's like a massive play playoff play in luck. Um, but the yeah. most reasonable scenario in which they actually have reasonable lottery odds, like they end up as like the fifth or sixth worst team. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to see that without Luca. He's that good, right? And I'm not going to hope for Luca to get hurt. So. Yeah, no, no, no. Did you see any of the uh, Pelicans Bulls game? Nah, but I saw a lot of people on Twitter talking about it. I saw a little bit of the Scoot Henderson-Victor Romaniama game. But, yeah, I was going to uh, ask you about that next. Zion had a move. Um, he looks in very good shape. And he had a move in the first half. He was being guarded by Patrick Williams. Um, and he caught a ball. He looked like he was going to post him up, but then he faced him up and chest in like a third of a second somehow went from facing this guy up 15 feet from the basket to just blowing by him like he's stuck on the floor and throwing down. Um, yeah, I mean, we've, we've always known Zion could do that. Uh, I I thought he was a generational prospect. I was, um, I love RJ Barrett. <laughs> Zion was a guy, and I think a lot of people are now like, well, clearly Josh should have gone first. And I think if Zion stays healthy, it shows you why that yeah. still might not be true. Yep. Um, because the, one of the things I was most excited about with Zion out of college was his defense. Like he was a guy who was just physically could overwhelm everyone. And he played like that all the time at Duke in new Orleans, for whatever reason, conditioning, whatever it was, he's just been a bad defender. Mm. Um, but I think he's the capability to be really good. And even then like his rim volume and, and efficiency, it, it beats anybody else. He can get to the rim anytime he wants, and he'll finish over everyone. Yep. Um, and look, I mean, I like Brandon Ingram. I like a lot of their players. I hate New Orleans Pelicans bloggers, uh, a couple in particular. Yes, um, I know what you mean. Constantly fucking complaining about big market bias and shit and, and victimhood. and, and pulling You know, they've been like the luckiest fucking franchise in history, having done nothing to earn it. Yeah, um, they need to shut the fuck up. Um, so I am a little bit conflicted because it'd be fun to watch them crash and burn. 
but um but i don't want to see zion crash and burn i'd like to see him just because he's such a fun player to watch when healthy and fully engaged uh and so is brandon ingram um you know uh again herb jones has become like a little bit of a thorn because you have a lot of like a lot of the self-deprecating for the sake of being self-deprecating Nick's crowd is like, why do we draft Herb Jones instead of trading in the 19th pick? Um, that's been a little bit overblown, but that aside, he's a really fun player to watch. And the reason he went 35th is because he couldn't really shoot in college. And it's been nice to see that he has developed a good jump shot. And you have yeah. to credit their team for, for building that out. Uh, and they, I mean, yeah, like from what I've heard, they looked really good yesterday. Not very surprising. Mm-hmm. It'll definitely be an interesting team to watch. Um, I think I'd still probably I think LA to me is the top team. The Clippers, obviously. Yes. Um, <laughs> but after them, um, you know, it, there's so many there's so many teams that could go a bunch of different ways. Let's say Anthony Edwards like has like a a huge leap next year, right? Yeah. Minnesota, like, because they got they got a guy who gives you 10, 10, win, 10 wins by himself and Rudy Gobert. And there's a lot of people, a lot of Minnesota guys think that Cat's best position is at the four. Um, you know, um, so that's a team. Um, Golden State, as long as Steph Curry is there, is going to be really good. Um, I do think they take a bit of a step back because you could see the signs of age with Clay Thompson and Draymond Green. I'm not sure you can get what you got out of uh, Green for an entire season anymore. Uh, and he's really important to them. But they have Wiggins. Jordan Poole might take another step. They're going to be in the mix. Uh, Dallas still has, you know, I think it's arguable. A lot of people, last time I said this in the Strickland Discord, everybody got mad. But there's an argument. Luka Doncic is the best player in the West. They still have him. Oh, sorry. I didn't. No, no, no. It's not even Luka. Sorry. Now, see, now I'm getting racist because I meant, I meant the different Eastern European player. But Luka has an argument for being the best player in the West. Another guy. Well, has an argument for being the best player in the West. He's won MVP in the last two years. Um, and he's, by the way, he's getting his sidekick back. And I did see that game. Jamal Murray looks spry AF. Okay, and nice. he's back. That's going to be a really good team. Um, so you never know. I mean, the, the West is, um, the West and New Orleans is going to be right in that mix, I think. So. Mm-hmm. I guess we all finally remember the, the clamor of Nick fans for Herb Jones on draft night a few years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was not a clamor. They wanted they want, everybody wanted Jalen Johnson or um what was the guy who went to Charlotte? The uh Oh. Oh oh oh. Oh god. He was a center. Mark Williams, right? Mark Williams? No, no, that was this year. Um no, this is the pick we traded. Um Oh god, what was his name? The pick that ended up we traded it for the Hornets pick. He went to Texas. I can't even think of who it is. He was Bahamian. Kai Jones. Kai Jones. Kai Jones. Good call. call. No, that was that was Google. So thank thank you AI. Um, (laughs) that was um, yeah, that was they wanted him. Uh, the guy I really wanted was Bones Highland. I wanted him over Grimes. I'm not mad at that they took Grimes now, but I still wish we had Bones Highland. But um, that was just a good draft. So, yeah, and those um, Pelicans too. You see, like they have so much talent everywhere. They have McCollum. You don't even think about. They yeah. have um, Dyson Daniels. You know, they just come out of the draft with that guy. They have Jackson. Valanciunas, though, right? 
Valanciunas is still there. Um, Alvarado, who's great and was great again last night too. Um, very, very exciting. I don't really like that because I've always felt that Luca or Zion is going to become a Nick um, at some point. I don't, I don't know why that's the, the recent it has to happen. Why or? Why or? I, I will tell you, I've literally little... had like thoughts I keep to myself where I'm like, Zion and Luca makes a lot of sense. I remember there was like a 2K mode where I had, it was earlier, uh, it was like the early 2000s. Yeah. Uh, not have been 2K, it might have been NBA Live. But I think it was like, I got LeBron, had Melo, um, and yeah, I got LeBron on the Knicks as a rookie. So that was nice. Not too shabby. Yeah. I'm sure he would have spruced up Michael Doliak's game quite a bit. <laughs> you know, I I don't. No, but I also remember there was one year, I think the year we traded for Antonio McDice, I had yeah. a game and I didn't realize that Antonio McDice was injured. So he was still like amazing. <laughs> yeah, he game, was. So. He was amazing when he was. Yeah. So he was crazy when he was good. Well, I think that's it for this episode. Um, Stacy, as always, pleasure to spend this time with you. This conversation. We will probably talk to you after the Knicks have played the second game, which is Friday they host Indiana. Next week they have two more games. Um, I feel like it's Detroit again and somebody else who I don't really care about. But it's the Knicks. It'll be exciting. Preseason is always good. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. On behalf of the Believe Knicks podcast, we will see you in time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.